Lung Health Update for Primary Care Providers, Conversations with NHLBI, is a series of CME podcast episodes produced by PrimeMed in partnership with Learn More, Breathe Better, a program of the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of the National Institutes of Health. In this episode, on identifying and testing for COPD in primary care, we are joined by Dr. Antonello Puntereri, a program officer with NHLBI's Division of Lung Diseases, and Dr. Byron Thomas-Shaw, a professor emeritus at Columbia University Medical Center and co-founder and chief medical officer of the COPD Foundation. We'll be discussing why primary care clinicians play such a crucial role in finding COPD cases among patients, the tools to help identify these cases, and the diagnostic criteria that points to starting appropriate treatments. It is estimated that millions of people in the United States have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, and they don't know they have it. In order to help identify cases of COPD, there are important conversations that primary care clinicians should be having with their patients about their cigarette smoking history, their respiratory symptoms, and other risk factors. Dr. Puntereri, what are the risk factors for COPD and what questions should primary care clinicians be asking their patients to facilitate their COPD case finding role? Thanks, Dr. Koshner. Thanks for those questions. And please call me Tony, and it's going to be much easier. Um, those are very important questions. Uh, we know that uh, primary care providers play a, a fundamental role in identifying cases of COPD. Uh, these are uh, the people that, that see the majority of patients in both urban and especially rural environment in the United States. They not only see these patients, but treat these patients. And so uh, when we talk about COPD, uh, we need to consider several factors that pose risk for people to develop the disease. Uh, the first and the, and, and the most well-known is of course, uh, cigarette smoking. And cigarette smoking as primary exposure. So if you directly, of course, smoke cigarettes, but also uh, it, it may be a trigger for COPD for people that live with smokers. And then we need to think about other exposures, so like a workplace and other polluted exposures like uh, agricultural dust, for example. A history of asthma is associated with, with a developing a risk for COPD. And then there is a genetic deficiency, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency in his homozygous state. But uh, as, as another factor, uh, we should think about uh, querying uh, patients about a history of alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency in the family because data show that even carrier, heterozygous uh, people uh, are more susceptible to uh, the triggers I mentioned uh, for developing COPD. NHLBI uh, urges primary care providers to ask their patients about all these factors and then ask about symptoms in those who have, that have these risk factors. It is important that providers ask specifically this question because otherwise it's a missed opportunity to find uh, COPD patients. And in this case, we know that although COPD so far is not curable, it's treatable. And, and Treatments can definitely improve, uh, early treatments especially, improve patients' outcomes. 
primary care providers should consider a diagnosis of CPD in patients that are 40 years old and older, uh, that have a persistent cough, uh, especially if it's uh, accompanied by chronic sputum production. They have progressive dyspnea. They have shortened or breath, breath uh, with or without, uh, again, a cough or sputum production. And if they observe a decline in the level of physical activity, this is a tricky one because people with CPD usually tend to retract uh, with life uh, from life uh, uh, the, the longest the disease progresses. And so uh, primary care physicians need to ask about uh, uh, normal activities uh, and uh, mobility uh, interaction uh, that have changed uh, during the course uh, of, the, of the disease. Thank you, Tony. NHLBI is urging physicians to start the conversation about COPD with patients who are at risk to help enable early diagnosis. Could you underscore once more which particular patients we're talking about? So once again, we are talking to people that are in their 40s and older that have a history of cigarette smoking or, as I said, living with a smoker or with exposures uh, that could come from uh, agricultural industrial work, uh, exposures to dusts, or a, co a various combination of all the above, of course, which increase the risk. Now a question for Dr. Thomas Shaw. Byron, he said I could call him. So if a patient falls into this at-risk category, what tools should physicians use? Uh, thank you for having me, and Byron is fine. First, I'd like to underscore the point that COPD lives in primary care. Finding it early will increase our chances of controlling it, limiting its progression, and ultimately finding cures. The role of primary care providers is absolutely critical. One reason it's so important for general practitioners to ask about these risk factors is that often respiratory symptoms aren't reported until the disease has progressed enough that symptoms are severe. A chronic cough is far too often viewed by patients as a normal smoker's cough or are allergic and treated with over-the-counter medications. Shortness of breath is far too often viewed by patients as getting old or being overweight or out of shape. Patients may even self-treat by cutting back on activity, which, which serves to further contribute to the downhill spiral of disease progression. We need to change that approach. So once we know from asking patients about their risk factors that a patient is in one of these higher risk groups, questionnaires and spirometry, which will be discussed in more detail in a few minutes, are recommended. The COPD assessment test, the CAT, is a simple questionnaire validated in numerous languages. It measures the effects of COPD on a person's life and how it changes over time. It consists of eight questions asking about cough, mucus production, chest tightness, shortness of breath, activity limitations, confidence levels, sleep quality, and energy levels. Byron, what's the proper setting? Where and how are questionnaires completed by the patient? The questionnaire should be given in the primary care physician's office before a routine health check so it doesn't inter interfere with the, the, with the ongoing work of the office. That's a good idea, Byron. Tony, after asking about risk factors and assessing the results of the questionnaire and or any symptoms, if the results point to taking the next steps of actually testing for COPD, 
which tests should primary care physicians use? Thank you for the question, Pam. Uh, definitely, uh, providers should start with a lung function test, a spirometry test. If the test is available, it should be conducted in the primary care provider's office. In addition, if the test is positive, next, uh, it, it would be opportune to uh, use a bronchodilator to test uh, if it is asthma or COPD, as uh, a differential could be drawn from, from the result of the test. Byron, what is the criteria for diagnosing COPD with a spirometer, and what is the next step? The spirometric criteria for a COPD diagnosis is an FEV1 over FVC ratio below 0.7 after bronchodilators. If this is the case, referral to a pulmonologist may be needed, but it's important to stress that most patients with COPD can both be diagnosed and successfully managed in primary care. A future podcast episode in this COPD series with NHLBI will feature case studies exploring COPD management that falls in the primary caregiver's domain versus referral to a pulmonologist. Tony, a final clarifying question for you. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, or USPSTF, recently reaffirmed its recommendation against routine screening for COPD in adults with no symptoms. What does that mean in terms of general practitioners interfacing with their patients? Thanks for that question, Pam. It's important to clarify what this means. The recommendation does not imply that physicians should not ask their patients about COPD risk factors and their history. Indeed, it does not apply to patients with respiratory symptoms or those at risk for COPD, as we described in the beginning. The USPS Task Force states that screening questionnaires and, spirometry, and spirometry without a bronchodilator have been used to identify people at increased risk for COPD. So the recommendation does not run counter to our main message today, which is primary care providers play a fundamental role in COPD case finding by having a conversation with their patients about their history, COPD risk factor, as this may lead to an early diagnosis and the starting of appropriate treatments. Thank you, gentlemen, in your discussion of this important topic. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? Let me bring uh, uh, up uh, what NHLBI can offer. NHLBI offers a range of publication and materials, both in print or uh, in electronic format for both providers and patients. Provider, again, can read them and pass them directly to their patients or point their patients to these links. And this includes a recently updated COPD Healthcare Providers Toolkit. The NHLBI Learn More, Breed Better, or LMBB program, also works with partners like the COPD Foundation, which in turn offers a wide range of resources for providers. You can find Learn More, Breed Better Health Education resources on COPD and other Lyme diseases like asthma at www.nhlbi.nih.gov slash breathe better.